our Valor podcast. My name is Casey McCauley, and we are so excited to start our study in the book of Revelation. And you know, as we do so, I just want to thank you for your guys' commitment to study God's Word in community. As we just finished the Gospel of Mark, we saw Jesus as a suffering servant in his first coming. And now in Revelation, we'll see Jesus as the conquering king in his second coming. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Revelation means unveiling. And of course, the main theme is to reveal Jesus. As chapter 1, verse 1 says, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation about Jesus, but also a revelation from Jesus. Jesus is the one revealed, and he is also the revealer. Think about a big reveal of a project that you've been working on. Maybe a renovation or a restoration. So much time and energy, blood, sweat, and tears has gone into it. You know all the details. And it finally all comes together. And then the reveal. There's a sense of anticipation and completeness. Well, this revelation is the great reveal, the final book of the Bible. It's what the story of scripture and redemptive history had been pointing to for so long, from Genesis to Jude, the culmination of God's plan of creation, redemption, and restoration in the present and the future reign of Christ, that Jesus saves his people, defeats his enemies, and makes all things new. It's all about Jesus, his kingdom, his coming, his rule and reign, both in the world and also in our world, in our hearts. So as we begin this study together, brothers, let us resolve to see Jesus, to be freshly reminded of his power and his presence, to desire for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what we need as we lead and serve as men of God, as men of valor. As Jesus addresses the churches in Revelation, he says that we would have ears to hear, and that's our prayer as well, to have ears to hear all that God has for us, and that we'd have eyes to see this beautiful and powerful vision of our resurrected and reigning Savior. Part of that is the unveiling of, of course, many fascinating future end times events that we'll be able to look at of how Revelation addresses the present church age, the rapture of the church, the tribulation, the second coming of Christ, the millennial kingdom, the great white throne judgment, new heaven and new earth. And as we consider all the events, we must remember that Revelation isn't a riddle to be solved, but rather it's a promise to live by. As we go through this book as a church, Pastor Greg has titled our series, that Revelation is a book of promises. This is what we need, God's promises. Oh, what would we do without the promises of God? What kind of assurance would we have? What kind of confidence could we keep without all that God has promised to us? In times of chaos and confusion, in times of distress and personal grief, loss and lament, persecution and pain, we must remember that we don't always live on explanations, but we live on promises. I encourage you to take a moment as we begin this study and reflect on all that God has promised to you in Christ. 
As we study Revelation, may you be reminded that his promises are true and that they are for you. May we be men that point each other to the promises of God. So let's look to our promise-keeping God. Jesus kept his promises. He rose again, and he continues to keep his promises. He will come again. The tomb is empty, and the throne is occupied. And Revelation chapter 1 immediately helps us keep this in perspective. The first session in our Harvest Group's Bible study is titled, Let Them See, on Revelation chapter 1, that this is a book of blessing, and in it, we will see Jesus. And in reflection upon this chapter, let's now consider how this happens through John's writing and John's seeing, through the revelation of Jesus and John's vision of the risen Christ. In this first chapter, John gives us some important insight into this book. In verse 9, John says that he's exiled on the island of Patmos. Now, this ain't no vacation or spiritual retreat. He's exiled as a result of persecution from Rome. The church is under heavy persecution and attack. John is exiled on a small island, and it's there on the Lord's Day that he receives this revelation and is to write it to the seven churches in Asia. Truly, in thinking about this, God can surely work in any situation. And verse 19 essentially provides an outline for what he's to write. The things that have been seen in the past, chapter 1, things that are now happening in the present, as he writes to the churches in chapters 2 to 3, and then things that will happen in the future, essentially all of chapters 4 to 22. And all of this results in a blessing. Verse 3 speaks of the blessing for those who hear, read, and obey the message. To know Jesus, to see Jesus, to experience the risen Christ, his rule and reign and soon return is to be blessed. Hearing, reading, and obeying the word, it impacts you, it changes you, it blesses you. And so brothers, let's not miss the blessing. The blessing of living out God's word in our lives, living the way that he created us to live, the blessing of God's word in our families and in our relationships, that we would be hearers and doers of the word. John identifies his writing in verse 3 as a prophecy, which is to declare divine predictions, but also to declare present hope to the church, those that he's writing to. And it's a five-link chain of communication. Consider that it says it's from God to Jesus, to the angel, to the churches, and now throughout history to us. And these churches are identified in verse 11, and then they're addressed specifically in chapters 2 to 3. And really, they appear to, to be named in an order in which a letter carrier would have gone from one church to another. This is a message for the church. Jesus will never leave and never forsake his church. Persecution was hard. John is exiled and alone. And it's there that God spoke. He made himself known. Our God is the God who reveals himself even in the most unexpected of ways. Consider this. How is God showing himself to be God in your life right now? This message is for the church then and for the church now. For John then and for you now. Jesus is the chief shepherd of the church. And he will guide it 
through every season, every situation, every circumstance throughout history, and in and through it, his grace will be made known. And the same message is true for us, that Jesus is coming and we do not have to be afraid. Consider chapter 1, verse 7. This is the message. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. And consider verses 17 and 18. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Jesus builds his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so we go then and share this message, and as we do so, we wait for his return. Jesus is coming, and we do not have to be afraid. And to strengthen us in this truth, John receives an incredible vision of the resurrected Christ. First, we know these promises are true because God is eternal. Twice, John writes that God is who is and who was and who is to come. He's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. This shows us that God is all-knowing, that he is eternal. Alpha and the omega. This is the first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. And we know that knowledge is communicated through letters of the alphabet. And so as the alpha and the omega, God has all knowledge. He's all-knowing. And so his promise is certain. And verse 5 then describes Jesus in three ways. He's described as the faithful witness, the one who always speaks and always represents the truth. And actually throughout Revelation, John will describe Christians as those who faithfully bear witness to Jesus. Jesus is faithful and true. Jesus is the firstborn of the dead, John also says. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He conquered the grave, and all who put their faith in him will share in his resurrection life. And finally, Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. That he is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. And to demonstrate that, consider this overwhelming encounter that John has with the risen and glorified Christ. That he gives a symbolic vision of Jesus in verses 12 to 16, that Jesus is presented and depicted as having a long robe and a golden sash, which is speaking of him as our priest and our king. That Jesus has this white hair speaking of his honor and wisdom as the ancient of days, eyes like a flame of fire, that he's all seeing and he has the right to judge, that he has feet burnished like bronze, a voice like the roar of many waves, and a face like the sun shining in full strength, which speaks of his judgment, his power, and his glory. He holds seven stars in his right hand, speaking of holding the people of God. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, which speaks of the power of the, rule, of the word of God to rule and to judge. This rightfully overwhelmed John. He fell at his feet as though dead. But what a beautiful picture we have here. That Jesus goes and lays his right hand on him, his nail-pierced hand, 
saying, fear not. Consider the humbling effect the risen Christ's power had on John. But also consider the comforting effect that Christ's care had on John. You see, it's in our pride that we need to humble ourselves. And as we humble ourselves, we should find ourselves at the foot of the cross where we recognize our sin. And like John in this powerful vision, to be at the feet of Jesus in response to his power and honor and glory. To realize how powerful and beautiful and glorious Jesus is and to tremble, but also to know his comfort and care and present ministry in our lives as he places his hand to comfort and say, fear not. It's in our fear or in our lack of faith that we need to remember how powerful and how present Jesus is. Oh, how often our view of Jesus is too small, that we don't trust in his power. We don't trust in his timing, that we think our sin is too great for him, that we can lose sight of what matters most, that we could put other things in his place, and that we lose sight of who he is and what he has done. We need to have our eyes fixed and have our ears tuned, that this heavenly vision would impact our current reality to enable us to live as men of valor. And that's the message that we begin with here in Revelation, that Jesus is coming and that we do not have to fear. And so as we begin this study, let us fix our eyes on Jesus to behold his glory, to experience his grace, to know that his presence is near and that his promises are true. And I'd like to end our time here as the Apostle John begins his letter with doxology or praise and then concludes with prayer. Let's consider together Revelation chapter 1 verses 5 to 6 and Revelation 22 verses 20 to 21. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen.